0: Don't you listen to reason
1: well,
2: Hey everybody, welcome to Atheist Experience Live. It is Sunday, June 8th, 2014. I'm Matt Delaney. This is John Iacletti. Hello. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Cool. Nice shirt. Thanks. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, this is a live public access television program out of Austin, Texas. We'll have the uh, telephone number up at the bottom of the screen so you can call in and um, have a conversation. We'd like to engage with Primarily believers. We'll try to keep lines open for, for believers of different religious traditions. But uh, we'll take calls from atheists as well. Talk about what you believe and why. Or maybe you can ask questions. Uh, maybe we'll have answers. Maybe we won't. I don't know. And then after the show's over, we get together for dinner at uh, El Arroyo. And they'll put the uh, address up at the bottom of the screen as well. That's actually all I have. Okay. I mean, the announcements just keep getting shorter and shorter. So what do you have for us today?
1: Well, uh, I'm wearing my mat shirt in ah. honor of your performance <laughs> in Memphis the other night. I hesitate to call it a debate. Me too. Uh, <laughs> but I thought, I, you know, after watching it and uh, kind of going through what was said, I thought I would come on the show and bring my top ten list of things I learned at the Side 10 Kate debate. All right. So, number ten, everyone knows that God exists. Number nine, it requires God to doubt the existence of God. Number eight, I don't do Bible studies with non-believers. Number seven, Adam and Eve did die that day. They died spiritually. Number six, stealing is wrong because God is not a thief. Number five, I don't do Bible verses, bro. <laughs> Number four, the Quran says the Bible is true, Therefore, the Quran is false.
2: There's actually an extra step. go ahead.
1: Yeah, I know, but I'm mocking Sai, so uh, I'm boiling it down. Number three, God will not be mocked. Number two, God loves you, so He's sending you to hell. And the number one thing I learned the Saitenbrug and Kate debate: brain in a vat, brain in a vat, brain in a vat.
2: Yeah, that was, uh, that was a weird, I mean, you know, I had a, that weird weekend at the Church of Christ in, in San Antonio. Uh, but the debate that I did in Memphis with Psy, which, by the way, uh, is, is up, and I haven't checked it in a couple of days, but it had like 50,000 views in the first 30 hours or something. So, I mean, that, that was really good, and I'm, and I'm glad some people enjoyed it. Obviously, um, I'll probably be addressing... Uh, a couple mistakes I made. One, one glaring error. Some missed opportunities. Uh, some opportunities to kind of uh, give better answers or things like that. Uh, I'm doing a podcast tonight, so I'll, I imagine we'll probably talk about it then. And there's evidently some callers that might raise the questions today. But uh, the debate part itself, even though I, I'm reluctant to actually, it was a debate. But it was, it, you know, don't tend to debate. They just make claims and. Uh, when you try to point out that it's uh, that's ultimately a circular claim that they're appealing to God because God, um, they they want to claim that it's vicious or virtuously circular as if that's actually a thing. Um, uh, oh, it's it's not a vicious circle. But overall, though, I enjoyed the time that we were up on the stage actually talking. I, I think um, you know it was far from perfect and everything, but it was the stuff leading up to the debate and what happened after the debate that I didn't like. And, you know, even during the debate... So Sarah Moorhead had tried to arrange this debate previously with me against Cy and Eric Hovind together, like a two-on-one, you know. Uh, And it didn't happen, and she had evidently talked to Eric's rep and thought that she was talking to a rep for both of them, and so there was confusion. And when we arranged this one, I put her in charge of setting it up because I was tired of doing the runaround. And so Sarah worked... uh, American Atheist, Atheist of the Year, Sarah Moorhead. I uh, worked her tail off to get this thing together, and we had all kinds of problems even getting the, the contract signed. And then twice during the debate, Sylike like chastised her from the stage. Yeah. I mean, who does that in a debate? Call out the person who arranged to give you a podium on which to speak? And, and then you, things were going on behind the scenes yeah. that you didn't know about. And-, and then you bitch at them from the stage? I mean, that's, that's classy right there. But it got worse at the end because once the debate was over, uh, they wanted to take some pictures. And so Cy, who called me a liar on stage, uh, is happy to stand next to me and take pictures. <laughs> uh, but when they wanted to get me and Cy with Sarah, who organized the whole thing, he refused to, to do a picture with her no, because she's a liar. And so somebody called him an asshole for it. And it, it, it just turned into the, uh, I don't, I'm never, I'm never going to interact with him again, uh, it may end up debating some some other presup at some point because I don't know what case people are going to present. I might agree to a debate and they turn out to be a presuppositionalist. Uh but there's no real reason to engage with presuppositionalist apologetics in the future, uh, which was kind of my point in closing. It was a it was a good weekend though, all all other things considered.
1: Yeah. Uh,
2: you want to go ahead and take some calls? Yeah, let's cut the calls. All right, we've got Kyle. Whoops. Kyle in Georgetown, you're here. Hey, how's it going? Pretty uh, good, how you doing?
3: Uh, pretty good, um, I'm a big, longtime fan of the show, um, but I, uh, I called in uh, a few weeks ago, and uh, I kind of, I wasn't able to really kind of say what I wanted to say, I'm not used to talking on, you know, with whole, people on television, with lots of people listening, and
2: nobody's listening. of,
3: and I'm also kind of scared, like, the, I'm going to say the wrong thing, get hung up on and everything, but... Uh, I think I can say what I wanted to say, kind of quickly. Okay. Um, well, uh, in, in the discussion we had, we came down to talking about the, uh, you know, the issue of certainty and did, did, do you believe this or that, and do you believe in God, et cetera. And uh, I used the example of a, a court case, and I think what what you said was, well, if you don't vote to convict because there's a reasonable doubt, then that means that you don't believe it. Were your words. And uh, I think that uh, two things i like to say about that. One is that it's definitely false, that you're dead wrong on that one.
2: Well, I don't uh, even know what it, what it is that you're saying that I said, so I can't really say whether I was dead wrong or not.
3: You said that if you don't vote to convict somebody because there is a reasonable doubt, then that means that you did not believe that they were guilty. That's what you said.
2: Yeah, yeah you weren't sufficiently convinced of their guilt to say they were guilty. Yes, that's true. It's a tautology. Right,
3: so I definitely believe that that's wrong. Uh, well, I, well, how's I, it How's it wrong? How's it wrong is I think that, will at the most level that a lot of people have seen, you know, a lot of times you'll get jurors and they'll come out and they'll say, no, we, we thought he was guilty, but for such and such reason, I mean, because there's a reasonable doubt it doesn't mean that you don't, you know, think that it's the case. And, I mean, you, you may have indirect evidence about something or an overall no, we're ta- we're talking
2: about a conclusion. If you are actually convinced of the defendant's guilt, and we're going to set aside legal technicalities for this, I mean, okay. this is just an analogy, but if you are actually convinced of the defendant's guilt, then you vote guilty. And if you're not convinced of the defendant's guilt, then you vote not guilty.
3: Well, I think that the standard is a reasonable doubt, legally. I- is there a reasonable doubt? Yes. And I think that... Well, yeah,
2: and I think... First of all, all, there are different standards for different claims. There's reasonable doubt, there's preponderance uh, preponderance of the evidence, etc., blah, 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 blah. Right, right. Uh, The thing is, if you believe that the defendant is guilty, under whatever standard of evidence you're talking about, then you vote guilty.
3: No. For instance, I can give you an example. Okay. Uh, For instance, if you... uh, if, if you have an overwhelming feeling when you meet a person that, you know, uh, that you find them to be a scary person, possibly violent, uh, say, to, to uh, you know, say you have a child and, and this is going to be somebody who your child's going to be around or something, and as soon as you meet them, you think this person is scary. Now, you, you can't, you know, you can, but on that, you can't uh, Say that you're certain that they've done anything. I, who not, say, who mentioned not, not who
2: mentioned anything about certainty? Certainty is completely irrelevant.
3: Okay, absolutely. All right. Well, then let's go back to reasonable doubt.
2: I, I don't care. I don't care what, how you define the standard. But basically, what you're what you're starting with is, hey, I've got a feeling about somebody. Well, that, how's no, that that's relevant?
3: That's what I started with.
2: How's that relevant to the point that I was making?
3: It's relevant because of human decision making and how it works. And we're talking about. I'm not, weathering.
2: I'm not, no, no. You could have, you could have irrational people on the jury. I'm talking about what they are actually convinced of. If you are in fact convinced that the defendant did it, then you are convinced they are guilty. Based on the evidence, not based the on your feeling. But
3: there still may be a reasonable doubt. Well, let me give not, you a more. Not,
2: they're not, not, if, okay. if, if the standard is you are convinced beyond a reasonable doubt, then there's no longer a reasonable doubt.
3: Well, I think that if you were to take a, a list of questions and ask people, uh, do you believe this? Do you believe it? Do you believe this is true? Do you feel confident that this is true? And then you were to you know, ask 100 questions and then go down that list and then ask people, is there a reasonable doubt about this one? Is there a reasonable doubt about you, this one? You're not going to line up perfectly.
2: You are focused on exactly the wrong thing because now you've moved on to people's professions of what they believe versus what they actually believe. The courtroom analogy is an analogy. We can sit here and, and come up with all sorts of uh, of exceptions that are completely irrelevant I, I don't know what your point is that you're getting at my because is, because okay, because my position is that if you, you either believe or you do not believe and you can be convi- belief is the result of becoming convinced and you can be convinced based on good reasons or bad reasons but when you believe when you believe something that means that you are convinced that this is likely true but it doesn't mean that you have no doubt I didn't nobody said no doubts. As a matter of fact, I tossed out absolute certainty pretty much every time we've talked about this.
3: I think it doesn't mean that you don't have a reasonable doubt. I'm and, okay. So so I,
2: th- I it it doesn't down. matter. It doesn't matter, Kyle, how you go about defining reasonable doubt. Okay. It, that's that's completely irrelevant.
3: Okay. Well let me just say about that. I like I said, I had two things I wanted to say about it. Okay. Um and but my, my, my final statement about the reasonable doubt issue is I think that most of the audience would probably agree that A lot of times when people don't convict, that they do believe that the person was guilty, but that they've been instructed by the court that if there's a reasonable doubt... they Holy
2: crap, Kyle. I just said let's set aside the, the legal exceptions and stuff. It's an analogy. It's not actually the same. You do know what analogy means, right? I understand
3: what analogy means.
2: So why are you pointing out that in some court cases, somebody might actually be convinced that the defendant actually did it, but they're forced to vote not guilty based on the rules of the courtroom? That is utterly irrelevant to the point that I was making.
3: The reason I said it, the reason I said it is to demonstrate to you that for most people, to say that they believe something does not eliminate the possibility that there might be a reasonable doubt.
2: So no, great. no, it doesn't, Kyle. Here's the thing. I'm talking about whether or not somebody believes something, and you're talking about how they act based upon that belief. You are, no. you, you. yes, you are, because they... No, I'm not. Kyle, you just said that there are people who are convinced that the defendant is guilty, but they vote not guilty. What you're saying is that they are convinced that the individual is guilty. They believe it, but they're going to act in an opposite way. Those are two different things. You can
1: believe agree. some. You're wrong. I
3: disagree. You're wrong. I disagree. Okay, well, then let me move on to my second
4: statement.
1: No, call back. <laughs> I don't even really agree with this premise. I think if you're a juror and you're convinced a person's guilty, then you don't have a reasonable doubt. If, you're, yeah. if, you're, if it's based on the evidence that's presented in the case, and if, now, you if it's based on a feeling you get when you meet them, uh, I don't see how you could say you're convinced by that.
2: It could be any number of reasons, but, but there's a difference between I am convinced of this and this is the action I'm going to take on behalf of it. And he's tied up with this. Well, people might be convinced that the defendant's actually guilty, but they'll know vote not guilty. Yeah, that, those are two different things. You know, I can be convinced that uh, uh, you know, that O.J. did it and still let him off with a technicality. I, I, or I could just say, you know what? We, p- prosecutors go for jury nullification all the time. Yeah, we all know he did it, but let's let him go anyway. You know, if somebody murders the individual who killed his daughter. And you get up there, and everybody on the jury is convinced that this guy actually did it. And yet, their action that they take may be to vote not guilty in order to let him off. That's why they're two different things. But I, I'm talking about the court analogy is just about what people actually believe, um, which is separate. It's about following the evidence to a conclusion. Or even crappy evidence or bad arguments to a conclusion. Alright, uh, Zach in West Jefferson, North Carolina, how are you? I'm good, are you? Alright. Alright, uh,
5: well, before I
6: kind of like get to what I want to talk about, I just kind of have like an opening question for you. Okay, go. Alright, uh, well, if you realize that, like, you know, how as technology advanced, so of our scientific researches
2: and stuff we found out about the universe and Earth, correct? I, I'm I'm sorry. I'm having a hard time understanding what you're saying. Uh, um,
6: like you agree that as technology advanced, so do scientific researches and facts should go.
2: Can we turn that down a little bit? It's kind of buzzing in it. So I'm agreeing that as technology advanced, what? As
6: technology advanced, so as our scientific researches and the things we discover.
2: Yeah, although I'm not I'm not sure that there's a. a a causality there maybe the research advances the technology and then the technology advances the research so yeah
6: yeah you agree with that okay so would you find it more or less like how I say impressive I guess if someone with none of the technology we have came up with conclusions before we ever did
2: well what do you mean came up with conclusions before we ever did
6: like say uh, the water
2: cycle or something
6: If someone had already said the water cycle exists and they didn't have the technology we did to be able to
2: determine that, it ended up being right? If they they accurately described the water cycle in such a way that it led to the discovery, um, it would certainly be interesting. But people can have suspicions about how things work all the time. We can make all kinds of inferences, but the point at which we would... Be justified in accepting an explanation of the of the water cycle is when somebody actually provides the evidence in support of it, because um, people can be right for all sorts of reasons. You can't you can't um, like for example if, if somebody three or four thousand years ago whatever uh, you know said noticed that the, the water level declined and then it rained and the water level filled back up and intuited or inferred um, something that that later on when we discover the water cycle we go back and say oh. This, this could be re- reworded or reinterpreted to fit that. Uh, I don't find that impressive at all.
6: Okay, well, I get what your point is. And the one I was about, like I said, was just an example of what I was talking about. Sure. But really, like, what I actually called in one of my favorite verses to go by, where it's like, you know, showing that kind of relationship. Okay. It's in Hebrews 11.3. Uh, okay. And uh, you want me to quote that for you? Sure. Uh, it says Th- through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God and so that things which are seen were made of not things that are seen or appear
2: what's what's so, impressive about that
6: it's saying more or less that it's kind of a verse I interpret as talking about atoms and things like how do you know
2: it's talking about how do you know it's talking about atoms
6: basically because it's saying that things we see such as uh, human beings or a wall or something
2: It's made of things we do not see but what what on earth makes you think so here's the thing somebody wrote this and what you're trying to claim is that in their head they had a concept of atoms yes sir What's the justification for claiming that this is what their concept actually was, Adam? Well,
6: can you can you come up with a separate interpretation of what they could have been talking about? First of
2: all, that's an argument from ignorance fallacy. You're assuming that you're right because you haven't been demonstrated to be wrong. I'm asking you to demonstrate. I ain't stating, I'm wrong. I'm giving an example and seeing what you provide to
6: oppose to that theory of I
2: I'm asking you to demonstrate the truth of your claim, that this is in fact what was in the person's head. I think
6: personally, it is what the person head because okay, why the way because the way he describes the fact
2: like he describes planets. he describes that uh, things are made of things were made of things that were not visible. How is that atoms? How is it okay? Well,
6: the scientific where is the uh, you got the definition of atoms
2: of what they are by scientifically stating? I'm asking how you came to the conclusion that this person is talking about. Adams and why you okay. think that? They, and, in, and then well that's kind of like goes back to my
6: sixth grade year in school. Whenever they told me about what atoms were and everything, and I came across this verse one day, and I did some research on like scholars' websites, like dot questions dot org for Christianity, you know. And, stuff. and later on, I've come to my conclusion that if he's talking about a material such as what's that bed frame, and he's saying it's made out of things that you can't see, okay. The only thing I can determine is that it's made out of atoms, because they say. Everything's made out of atoms and atoms cannot be visibly seen with the naked eye. And back then they weren't interpreting we could look through a telescope or anything
5: because
6: that didn't exist back then. Yeah. So I get the I get the idea that they are talking about something either atoms or related to atoms. I just can't think of anything else that something's made out of that can't be seen with our eyes.
2: So so when we get around to let's say we confirm string theory, will people be justified in reinterpreting that verse to to I'm think sorry, say can you it's talking about string? statement? Yeah, if if we get around to the point where we have um, confirmed string theory and that everything is made of strings, will people then be justified in saying that what was in this person's head was strings? No, sir. So, so it's only atoms; it's nothing beyond that. Pretty much
6: exactly my opposing—that's my thoughts on it. Because, you see, you're giving an example that will probably never be a real thing. How did you determine that? that H- H-
4: how,
2: how did you determine? How did you determine that string theory is never going to be confirmed? That's probably
6: because science has already confirmed that things are made of atoms. And I don't about that. Like I said, I do not. Yeah, yes.
2: Um, Zach, what are atoms made of?
6: Sir, you're being like, listen to what I'm saying, okay?
2: What? Well, I'm being what?
6: Yeah, I said you're like, kind of, you're being like rude to me. Right now. I'm trying to say something and you're asking all these different questions. I'm, ask, me, I'm, I'm
2: asking you questions for a reason, Zach. It's yes, I know that. Y- and what I'm saying is and, let me answer and, the and, first one for you just a second. And what is the, what would you say? Let me answer the first one before you go to the second, because I wasn't finished. Well, first of all, it's our show, so you get as much time as we say. But what weren't you finished with? I wasn't finished explaining why I didn't believe there would be a string theory, and how it comes to determination that there won't be. Oh, okay, cool. Do you have any expertise in this area? Pardon me now? Do you have any expertise in the area of string theory? No, I do not. Then why do we care why you're convinced it won't be true? Uh, Well, you asked me, so... I I did ask you. So why do you care? I, 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 well, I'm. You made a claim, claim, and I'm wondering what led you to that claim. Yeah, and I'm.
6: But you just said what well, makes you think we care? When you just asked, so obviously that made me ca- think you
2: cared. Oh, I don't care. Why don't you think about. string? I want to know so don't that don't I can ask expose me ask your me problem. What you care about? Well, excuse me.
6: Ask me relevant questions that you care about. If you don't care about something, don't
2: ask me. I'm asking you a question to expose your ignorance and your fallacy in this point. It's you not can that I. Call me ignorant, but you
6: need to state your
2: question. You just you just said, did you not, that you're not an expert in string theory, right? Yes, sir. Which means you are, in fact, ignorant about string theory. Oh, yes. Okay, so why are you objecting no, when I point this out? I just, I'm going by, by my own opinion, saying I don't
6: believe that would be a real thing. Everybody has their opinions, right? Okay,
2: it. so in your opinion, string theory will never be proved, and in your opinion, this verse... No, refers... i ain't saying it won't be proved, Zach? I'm saying,
6: in my opinion, I don't think it's going to, like, come into concept of what I'm thinking of, the Bible's talking about atoms.
2: I don't think it's going to replace that. I don't think it would be justified by that. Zach? Yeah, because that's my opinion. Zach, so it's your opinion that string theory is never going to be confirmed, and it's your opinion that this verse is about Adams, and it's yes, also sir. your opinion that this verse is about Adams, and therefore the only explanation for the supposed truth of this verse is that God revealed it to somebody, right? Yes, sir. Okay. Why Why should anybody pay attention to your opinion? What What is the evidence that backs this up? I think it all actually determines down to not evidence, but rather opinion-wise. I'm not stating yeah. it. I'm not. True. I'm not interested in opinions that are without evidential support. I'm not I'm interested actually, in okay, opinions, and fine I'm fine. not interested in opinions that uh, you know are have nothing to do with with the evidence or sound arguments. Okay. Well, you want me to give you a different example
6: then, so we can better understand. No. Uh, why I. Why would I? Why would I want
2: you? Why would I want you to give me a different example when you haven't done, done anything? Exactly. And we can't really have a talk about it if I don't know about it. Well, then why did you start talking about? Are you an expert on evidence?
0: I'm a, well, if you listen, I have a like, uh, different verses. Like
2: Zach, that. are you an expert yes, on Adams? Um, no. I'll are you, an expert? Science, are you, no you an expert? Are you an expert on textual criticism? Pardon me. Are you an expert on textual criticism? Criticism, no, sir. I actually just. Uh, are you? Are you in any way an expert on what the original author of Hebrews meant in their head? i actually
6: have yeah, interpretations of that. I don't. Really
2: are you? Do, do you have anything to I back know. this it, up beyond opinion?
6: Was. I'm sorry, just
2: go ahead. Do you have anything to back that up beyond beyond just this is your opinion?
6: Well, besides this, it's the opinion of many scholars that study the Bible and Hebrew, and you can go online and look any of that up. There's a lot of scholars that study the Bible and Hebrew. The yes, yes. So, and everything, So and Zach,
2: let me... let me That's why I get my information. Zach, okay, fine. Uh, let me ask you this. Here's this verse in Hebrews. Hebrews
6: 11.3. Yes,
2: sir. Where it has been... Translated as the things of this world are made up of things that are not visible. Yes, sir. Okay. When did we confirm that the things of this world were made of things that aren't visible to the naked eye?
6: I know. Well, see, that's a hard question for me because, like I said, I'm not an expert. Oh, okay.
2: But would, would you at least agree that, for let's let's just guess? At maybe a thousand years or so between the time this verse was written and the time that we discovered that th- that matter was made up of things that we can't physically see. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, what led us to that conclusion? Was it this verse, or was it no, investigation? No, I really or? doubt if
6: it's a verse. Actually, yeah.
2: I think it was more or less a scientific. scientific so, so is yeah, it? It's is it German? So is it more likely? that the author of this verse actually had a concept of atoms in their head and failed failed to uh, relay this, is, this concept in any way that would be useful or beneficial? Or is it more likely that after we discovered atoms, some believer went through and said, hey, here's a verse, and it, I could probably make this look like it was talking about atoms? I think, well, you want my opinion on what you're stating? Well, I asked which one of those seemed more likely to you. To me, I think it's more likely that some guy had gotten
6: experience or has been led to believe through God that that's what it was. I don't think that God gives specific names because we name the things like Adams and Sure,
2: stuff. sure. It would have been silly to put the name we of the thing so, in there. And he could have done that. Why, so wh- why is God, it, he was, why is it then, Zach, that this description doesn't have anything about it, any, any of the properties of an atom? Other than that, you can't see it with the naked eye. How do we know and this doesn't? Re- How do we know that this doesn't refer to everything in matter is made up of tiny little invisible angels?
6: Um, well, that's because they knew what angels were in the Bible, and I'm pretty sure that if he was stating it was angels, he would have said angels, instead of just giving the name entirely and just saying it's made, it's
2: the thing that you can't see, that's in thing. What, what I'm asking is, why is there no useful description of an atom? There's nothing here that that is useful being- description. So. Saying like it's like saying that his interpretation of something rubber and round that bounces. You're just doing a bouncy ball, correct? I w- it, would I a description asp- of one, correct? A rubber and round that bounces. A piece of rubber that is circular and bounces. Circular or ball. Anyway, based on the description, there, right. I, I would assume that it was something that was matches the description, but I'm not going to claim that you yeah, necessarily. I'm not going well, to. I, I'm, Zach, I'm not going to claim that you are actually thinking of a red bouncy ball. But it's you would get the idea in your head. I'm saying. I'm kind of like going on about how I feel. And o- why. If you if you said to me that you that you have something that's invisible, which is the only property that's listed in this verse. Would I, would I assume atoms? It's not. No, it's not the only thing.
6: Cause the sure is. says It makes everything. So those two really good
1: demonstrations are examples it, of what it might be. It doesn't say everything. It says that. Indeed, by our faith,
2: our ancestors received approval. By faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, which you haven't demonstrated, so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. And here's exactly, the thing. What? This,
6: what is seen, meaning objects yes.
2: around us. I, I understand that, Zach. I'm getting ready to blow your mind here. You ready? I'm okay. ready. Go read Romans 1. Yes,
6: sir. Just give me one. Where, here. Where,
2: it's, where it says that we're without excuse because the visible things, the visible attributes, or, or, well, I, you, you can get the verse, but it's made up of the invisible things of God's nature. Now, how do you know that 11.3... In hey, Hebrews sure. isn't referring to God because God is not visible.
6: Um, can you do me a favor?
2: Can you say you said Romans one what? I I don't remember the exact verse, but I think it's verse. 2. If you can't give me the verse, and how am I supposed to look it up? Well, can you not find Romans one? But anyway, I'm on Romans one. Okay, but um no, I'm trying to save time here. And find what you're talking about. For us, yeah, I see it. I think it's one nine. The things of
6: him, creation of the world, clearly seen.
2: Yeah. So, can you clearly see Adams
6: nowadays? Excuse me. There's like two different things between what he's stating there, because the Bible was written back then. So it's kind the of the like right, Bible was written
2: back then. Well,
6: I'm trying, uh, I'm trying to give you an example
2: here, I, and uh, I'm pointing out well, that I'm pointing out that there are two places in the Bible that talk about something being invisible, and one of them yeah, is yeah, so. talking about God, and the other one you're claiming it's talking about Adams. How do you know it's not talking about God in that verse too?
6: Because if it says God, it says in the other verses it describes God as invisible, if he was mentioning God, would he not say God again when he restated the invisible thing? I just. Why would wow. he say God in one sentence being invisible, and then in the second one he's not stating what it is?
1: So he didn't say Adam.
6: It's either. like saying there's two people, and that you know you're gonna once can be entirely different than the other. It's two diff- you have two different meanings to what your sentence is saying, but you're just interpreting it as the same thing. Any excuse to make me look ignorant toward the fact that what it says.
2: Am I correct? Well, evidently, I'm ignorant now because I have no clue what you just said.
6: <laughs> what I'm saying is, is that you're giving two different examples of the Bible when it talks about something invisible.
2: Yes, I yes I am. And you're trying to like
6: make the assumption that they're talking about the same thing.
2: Uh, no, no, I'm not, Zach. I mean, more Zach. That, i'm not making an assumption that they're talking about the same thing i'm asking you what your justification is for claiming that they are talking about different things
6: because they describe them entirely different like when it talks about god being invisible it says god and an excuse to
2: hebrews it's it 19, doesn't say no, right. anything
6: and it never said if it meant
2: god it would say god made all things now how do things, you know that god how do you know that it's kind of common sense when you read the scripture. It's right? kind of common sense that, that that's the case. Um, so you're saying that we don't have common sense because we don't agree with you?
6: I'm not saying that. I'm saying if you read the scripture and actually look into detail about what it's
2: saying. You do realize you're, you're talking to clear. somebody who was a Christian for 25 years who has studied and taught the scripture for the bulk of his life. And I'm sorry, you're talking to a former atheist. Okay, what was your reason for being an atheist? My reason? Because I was like you. I had no. I had no reason to believe. There's no proof. Okay. So, what is your reason to believe now? You found a verse in Hebrews that I, sounds like it's talking about was, Adam's to you. Honestly, no. That was not it. All right. So, what's your reason for believing?
6: My purpose in believing is that as time went on, I started to like look into more stuff. I'd argue with Christians on there, and they start making points, and I'd, it made my mind work because I'm an open minded person. So I go on there, and I do. Some, I finally would do some research myself, and I found every kind of reason to believe. Well, well, I'm, yeah, I, I, to I didn't
2: ask you for the story. I asked you for what is your reason for believing.
6: Because I actually
2: found what I was looking for the entire time. Wow. I thought that something wasn't there. You're, you do realize that, like, was. for example, if I asked you how your car works, and you said... Um, because it works, that that's not an answer. So when I ask you why you believe, and you say, because I found what I was looking for, you haven't added anything substantive to the conversation at all, right? You want me, okay, you want me to going
6: for the detail, I will.
2: I, I would well, just I'm like missing. to know what the reason is. I mean, you're claiming to have okay, been okay. an atheist, and that's fine, because all of that means is that you don't believe. So you went from not believing to believing, and I would like to know what the and reason was. Be, okay, well, what I went to believing for was because when I was an atheist, I didn't have any reason to believe. Right? I thought
6: there was no proof. And then, when I became a Christian, it's because I had started researching stuff and looking for myself rather than listening to people like Richard Dawkins.
2: Hey, Zach. I can't Zach. Conclusion that I Zach. Zach. I don't need the backstory again. Get to the thing you, that you, you okay. researched to get to the thing that you researched to convince you. What's the research that convinced me? Yes.
6: Okay, it'd probably be looking up stuff that's like scientific properties like such as stars, movement of light, that the earth flows, the air has weight, and that mountain and valleys are under the ocean. Those kind of scientific facts were found in the Bible itself. And I don't think people 2,000 years ago could come up with that assumption,
2: crazy assumption, that would sound ignorant back then by themselves without spiritual guidance. Ah, So your entire reason for being a believer is an argument from ignorance. Pardon me? You're claiming that it's true because it hasn't been proved false. That this is this is the okay, only answer that you've bottles. been this is the only answer that you can come up with. The only explanation no, stating is that the Bible says what science says now, no. but it said it two thousand years before they came up with the assumption of it. No, it doesn't say that. It doesn't tell me anything oh, okay. at all about atoms. Okay, well when did they find out that mountains
6: and valleys were under the ocean? Science, scientifically. I ain't on
2: Bible. When did they find out that mountains and valleys were under the ocean? Yeah, and they rose
6: from the ocean and they came from
2: there. You're talking about tectonic plates? You're talking about the movement of tectonic plates? Yes, sir. I'm talking about how mountains will
6: rise out of the ocean.
2: When did they discover that fact in science? Well, it depends. What does the verse say? I'll
6: turn to it if um, Can you get it to me? Two different verses to which one you want. I got Jonah 2.6 and Samuel, or Second Samuel 22.16.
2: Well, let's start with Jonah
6: 2.6. Yes, sir.
5: They
1: found it right here. Because here's the thing. I bet it's going to be vague. That's, the, sorry, that's yeah. the that's why this doesn't impress me too much, Zach, is because the, people do this with Nostradamus, too. You, you come up with some vague statement and with the knowledge that you currently have about atoms, you say, hey, this sounds like atoms. But the, the person who wrote the Bible verse isn't describing atoms. He's not describing protons and electrons and and uh, the, the properties of Adams, as we understand it now, he's just saying things unseen. Okay,
2: yeah, because hindsight's hindsight twenty twenty, and this is just like kind of a post hoc interpretation. Jonah two six says, in the NIV, "To the roots of the mountains I sank down; the earth beneath me barred me forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit." That says nothing about tectonic plate movement.
6: I didn't say tectonic plates specifically.
1: It doesn't even say mountains come from the ocean or whatever it is. Okay, well,
6: listen, okay? Uh, You you asked me this question, I'm going to ask you. What is your reason
2: for being atheist? Because I have no reason to believe that a God exists, and every time I interact with people who claim that they do, they are utter failures at defending what they believe, pointing to verses that they're going to interpret based on information afterwards. May I give you my personal opinion on why that is? Oh. Please. Okay, well, don't cut me off here, because I'm, I'm going to get to the point real quick. It, it, it needs to be quick, because there are other callers, but go ahead. I will, I will. Well, my point is, maybe it's because you have a show that's called The F- Experience,
6: and you determine what points are valid and what is not valid, which doesn't seem kind of fair in a debate, considering that you have your view, we have ours. Maybe it's that you don't give enough time, and if they even try to hint at something, we don't have to be experts to understand stuff that we believe in ourselves. And maybe... Your interpretations you're giving calling us ignorant and stuff like that isn't because we actually are. Maybe it's because you have a, you're you just dictating a whole show to pretty much bash hate and criticism, and as you guys put it on Facebook, I let me get my ass thing. handed to me on Facebook, and you're pretty much doing that to defend what? Something you don't even believe in. You just made a whole entire show to go against religion. Why if you do not believe it?
2: You, so why, why do we do so this? Well and made their own interpretation. they in God or not? Zach, first of all, um, you already agreed that when I referred to you as as ignorant, that it was an accurate assessment. There wasn't any. Because any you a- wasn't calling me a name, ignorant. You saying I was not. How you said? Zach, Zach, would you stop being butt hurt and let me finish, please? Butt hurt. Yeah, you're butt hurt. Get over I'm it. Hurt. Yes. See, okay, you, you asked. You asked why we do this. Um, I don't yeah. do this show. Uh, In order to run around and keep saying, hey, I don't believe, hey, I don't believe. The The truth of the matter is that people believe a lot of different things, and some of the things they believe have an impact on their actions, which affects other people. And as long as religious individuals are going to be attempting to legislate the world based on their views in ways that affect all of us, then it's worthwhile to stand in opposition to it. Meanwhile, I would prefer to live in a world where people make decisions on r- for rational reasons as much as possible, and not just okay. saying, this verse looks like this to me, therefore I'm going to a- give okay, up. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, okay. Are you, are you putting no, me you on hold, it. Zach? <laughs> hey, can you like listen for one second? One Mississippi, go. Okay, listen. Can you look at the
6: verse from the I do on the show? Just look it up for me. Jeremiah 33, 22. Where it talks about the stars being in a multitude and they can't be numbered and they're various different types. I just want you to simply research that yourself.
1: You, you don't think that ancient people would have noticed there was a multitude of stars in the sky? No, because
6: back, in you look in this, like, what'd you call them, Nostradamus' days, they believe there's hundreds. He only believed. I, no, 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 no. Zach, thousand.
2: Zach, Zach, please, please. I know that you've been backed into a corner, but please don't just make shit up.
0: Because, really because,
2: because Zach, in the olden days, when there wasn't electric light, you could see billions of stars. Nobody okay, thought well, that, there was, Nobody thought that there was the about a hundred. Nobody thought that there was about a hundred. What? Have you watched the show Cosmos? Yes. I watched the original. I'm that's watching the other the, one. I can't That's where I got the information from. Cosmos told you that people thought there were a couple hundred stars?
6: And he said Nostradamus thought there was a thousand. And he came up with the relative idea that the Earth... Revolved around the sun? No, I'm sorry. That's a whole different guy. I'm sorry. Yeah. That interpretation. Okay, but it was talking about how he came up with the idea that it was a wide space instead of just a
2: little tiny area. It talked about how they thought there was only the stars they could see. You, you do realize, was- you do realize, Zach, that these were biblical ideas that there was a firmament. With only the stars that you could see, and that the earth was flat, and that there was a tree from which you could see the entire but earth, that this is all in the Bible? Did you, wait, did, you, did you
6: say the Bible says the earth is
2: flat? Yes. It does not. It
6: does. In Isaiah, it says it's a circle. Uh, do you realize that circles are flat, Zach? Do you realize that the word spear was even invented back in biblical times, but alone it was considered the same shape as a circle?
2: Yeah. Do you, Do you realize that the fact that there wasn't a word means they probably didn't have the concept down, Pat? See, so here's I the thing. Here's the thing. The verses say that there's a tree from which you can see the entire oh, earth. Oh, I know exactly. Is what you're that? Wording. Is you're that? that Zach, yeah, Zach, is that possible? Uh, no, no, I'm is You're calling out Daniel. Zach, is it possible that there is a tree from which you can see the entire uh, earth? No,
6: sir. That's why. Then, the the that then the Bible is wrong.
2: Then the Bible is wrong. Okay, listen. You're quoting from Daniel, correct? I yes. Okay, if you look into it, and actually interpretation,
6: it's talking about a vision he had, not a literal thing he saw.
2: So the, why why would he have a vision of something that's that's impossible? And then record it. I'm sorry. Have you never had a dream of
6: something that's impossible?
2: I have a dream that this call will end someday, <laughs> and I'm not sure it's possible. Oh it's fine. You can go ahead and be an ass if you'd like. Uh, I'm sorry, Zach, but when we asked why you believed, what was I'm your reason? To... Your reason was Jonah 2.6 talks in, talking about the mountains, which doesn't um, say anything. Jonah two six. that was not my
6: only reason for believing.
3: that.
2: That's the one you told me to look up, and it doesn't That's say anything. I Zach, up. I Zach, Zach, it doesn't say anything close to what you say it says. Um, that
6: actually wasn't my interpretation. I actually got that from the solar website. Okay,
2: I no longer care about interpretations, yours or otherwise. Come up with evidence. I'm done. How you doing? I'm doing well. I think the Bible means this. Great. Can you demonstrate it? Well, can you prove that it means something else? I'm not the one claiming it.
1: Yeah, it's just it's vague statements and you and I think you have a predisposition to want to believe that it's talking about something that science later found. But if you actually examine it, it doesn't really talk about it in enough detail for you to to legitimately say that's atoms or that's plate tectonics. It's you're 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 taking that and overlaying your modern concepts of with what the, the verses say.
2: Yeah, if it was actually revealing information, then the verse itself would instruct us in such a way that we could at least begin to explore it. But that's not what happened. What happens is science makes discoveries about the, the world. And sometimes they seem to conflict with what the Bible has to say about a global flood and all this other stuff, and then, after that, people go back and reinterpret what the Bible says so that it becomes more consistent with science,
1: yeah and then you're cherry picking as well you're saying, well, these two verses sort of sound like something in modern science, but this other thing was just a you know it was a dream that we don't need to pay attention to,
2: yeah, ignoring all kinds of things like the fact that the order of events in Genesis is wrong or that you know, man was formed from dust and stuff like that. It's, uh, y- it's probably true. Zach could have been an atheist, and he might have been convinced for those reasons. Um, and that's one of the reasons why we do the shows, because I'd like for people to be convinced of things for good reasons and not, hey, this verse here kind of looks like it says something. And the only way that that could happen is if God revealed it to them. How did you reach that conclusion? Not, not only did you did you reach the conclusion that the best explanation is that God did it, but you're convinced that there's no other explanation. I don't know. Jacob in Cleveland, thanks for waiting.
4: Hey.
7: Uh, wow, that was really frustrating. <laughs>
2: yeah. And I'm high. Have... What? <laughs> Nothing. Go
7: ahead. Um, yeah, I could imagine that if you'd read the Quran first, and it had revealing scripture, he might be a Muslim right now, potentially.
1: Yeah, Muslims make the same claim about the Quran that that right. has scientific discoveries as well. Yeah, even more. They make even more claims along
7: those lines. Yeah. Though,
2: anyway, what do you got for us, Jacob?
7: Yeah. Um, I, I, I know we had correspondence of email a little while back, but I figured this topic might be worth discussing uh, for the general population, people who view the show. Um, I, was, I was curious about what peer reviewed. Journals exist that that gives like empirical evidence, not necessarily for atheism, um, but for secular secular or non religious topics.
2: I'm not sure I understand the question. Peer reviewed um, journals will y- you're going to find predominantly secular positions. I don't know of any religious peer reviewed journals. And, and there would be a question as to their veracity and how good good the peers are who are doing the reviewing.
1: Yeah, I think Answers in Genesis claims to have peer-reviewed stuff. But
2: yeah, when they couldn't get their stuff <laughs> into, into actual respectable journals, they went out and created their own peer-reviewed journal.
1: Right. Yeah. yeah I would say by default, a scientific peer-reviewed journal is, is atheist if it doesn't invoke God to explain whatever it is it's studying. <laughs> but yeah. if, if you're talking about whether or not there are journals that um, address like
2: philosophical questions like does God exist or whatever, um, there are philosophy journals. They don't, they're not science journals.
7: Um, I guess my question is and I had an example that I wanted to talk about um, and it's like, the, the example of perhaps the relationship between uh, those people who are suggestible or potentially good hypnotic subjects and those who are highly religious. I'm curious if there's a connection between the two and that's, that can be empirically observed, and that's a topic that has direct relation to religion, potentially non-religious persons, and, uh, and just society at large.
2: Yeah. Sounds like a study you could try out. I mean, of course, you know, hypnosis is pretty much just play-acting between two people, but...
1: I've heard that, though. I've heard there's been a connection between suggestibility and and religious fervor.
2: I know there's a I know there's a, a connection between gullibility and religiosity because I was there. Do you
1: Have a, an
7: article that could reference for that? Oh no
2: no no I, that was I, that was me being glib um, <laughs> no. because I was gullible for a number of years.
7: <laughs> Fair
2: enough. Okay, thanks.
5: Yeah,
2: thanks. <laughs> I wasn't sure we were actually done. Joey in LA, thanks for calling. Uh, hello. How you doing?
5: I'm fine. I'm, I'm actually calling because, uh, well, first I'd like to say the awesome debate you did with Si. It
2: was great. Oh, thanks. Uh, I think it was okay. But oh, I'll take a great I happen
5: to, uh, I was asking about uh, presuppositional apologetics myself. I actually happen to, uh, I, I by no means do I think you actually need any advice on how to handle presuppositional apologetics, but I was just thinking I'd call in because I, I happen to have one way of... That I happen to go about uh, like debating these guys and seem to be really effective uh, for me, and uh, okay. I, I'm not aware of any that anybody's actually ever done it this way. If there is, I suppose and maybe i you could inform me of, of it but um I've heard in the in the debate that you I, I, also on the show that the presuppositional apologetics could are pretty much in essence like another form of uh, the transcendental argument, yeah. Yeah, and uh, also I've heard that just another version or a way of uh, shifting the burden of proof or it, it could it be, um, the it's also circular reasoning. And I can see, te- I, I can could, I could understand why anybody would say those. I, I think those are all pretty much true, but I wanted to bring this one up to you. I, I, for me, I happen to think that presuppositional apologetics really are just another way of defining God into existence. Would you, uh, would you agree with that?
2: Sure. I mean, that's kind of the case with anything that that kind of deals with ontology, whether it's the ontological argument or not. Um, because one of the things that, like, on the rare occasion that that Psy that got to an answer for, like, why are the logical absolutes true, he would say things like, because they are consistent with the mind of God, or that for reasons which are sufficient to God. And the whole thing is that he's, not he, because he borrowed this from Til and others, uh, the, the yeah. precepts have... Said, "Hey, here's this problem in philosophy, and we can solve it by appealing to an entity which has the characteristics necessary to solve it."
4: Yeah, it, it's exact same thing.
2: Yeah.
5: So I, the usually when I, I the presuppositional uh, apologists that I've come into uh, online, I usually try to essentially what I, I bring up is that one way that as I agree with what you said. Uh, I try to bring it to them this way, that in essence what you're doing with presuppositional apologetics is that you're taking something that we know exists, such as, you know, reasoning, and we attribute its origin to something that you're trying to propose exists, such as God. And so what I try to do is sometimes give an, an example. I use this one, that uh, the Hindu God for language is Bach. And so the thing that Sai will do is that uh, essentially he will go... I would say something like along the lines of, uh, well, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And so I could similarly say something that, well, you, that, uh, knowledge, that uh, language can't come about through well, that block is, the origins of language, and you can't, in an atheistic world, you can't account for language because uh, you, have to, you have to borrow from my worldview, and no matter what the opposition would say, I, it doesn't matter what sort of uh, argument they can come up with. I can only say, you can't, how can you say that? That you have to go from my world, you're using words. I uh, I can account for that because I believe in Bach. Okay. And so I think that one of the, probably the best uh, questions uh, to ask, Well, well similarly, uh, I know that uh, if you were to press sigh, like how do you know God's real, how do you know God's real? Uh, if somebody were to ask me, how do you know Bach is real? It's like, what well, it's, if God was real, then you couldn't have made sense of what you just said, because you just use words. You have to borrow from my worldview, and so the questions I would ask them is, how? Or how do you know that God is the origins of reasoning? How do you know that reasoning came from God? And uh, some of them would. Because the God has would, revealed
2: it to them in such a way that they can be certain.
5: Oh yeah, I was just <laughs> gonna go there, and so if uh, when they when they present that to me, then uh, I usually say, how do you know? God is actually in fact telling the truth or he because God lie. cannot lie <laughs> yes exactly and then I asked them how, to, uh, how do you know that they go to the scriptures of course because God it scripture says that God doesn't lie and I would say how would you be able to distinguish between a lying God from one who tells the truth because a lying God the only thing he could possibly say about himself in scriptures was that he tells the truth and yeah, so a lying goes, God
1: would say he never tells a lie as well. Exactly. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Well, yeah, and I and I've
2: addressed that in the past too. You know, for example, if if we're limited beings and you've got one good being and one one evil being, how do you know which one's which? You've had yeah. to rely on your own. Well, God put His moral code in His heart. Well, that doesn't mean that He's good. It just means He's consistent with the moral code that He put in His heart, in your heart. I mean, so all that's the, that's the secret behind uh, that I tried to expose a little bit behind the precepts is that. They're claiming that no other worldview can account for reason. And they don't ever demonstrate that no other worldview can account for reason. They also don't demonstrate that their worldview can. They just claim it. It's been, you know, it, it reminds me of uh, an opening to one of Dawkins' lectures where how people would be laughed out of academia for uh, talking about the destruction of the dinosaurs if they started things with, like, it has been private re- revealed to me that the extinction of the dinosaurs is because blah, 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 blah.
5: Yeah, and uh, I, I suppose the last thing I would like to say is that uh, I hear a lot of people, including um, I think it was David Smalley, maybe on on the on the post debate sort of thing. A lot of I think a lot of people are granting side too much credit when they uh, when he, when I asks, uh, "Is it possible that God could reveal Himself in, a, in such a way that you could be absolutely certain?" I actually would say no.
2: Yeah, that's what I said during the debate.
5: Yeah, I. I because the thing is, a lie uh, something that's a fact that would be divinely inspired from God would be indistinguishable from a lie that's divinely, um, in, divinely inspired from God, because you wouldn't believe them to the same extent.
2: Yeah, I, I don't think they can get any further, as I kind of mentioned in the debate, I don't think he can get any further than saying that he has an authority that he really, really trusts. But I don't see how this authority could ever make him actually absolutely certain, because it, the example that I used was trying to pour clean water through a dirty filter. It's still going to come out dirty. And so mm-hmm. it doesn't matter how pure the water is, or it doesn't matter how accurate the information is from God. You're not actually achieving absolute certainty. You are just really, really confident that this person is telling you the truth, and that's as close as they can get. Yeah,
7: okay.
2: and, it do- and, and, and that's true whether their God exists or not, because you know I can I could appeal to any fictional character and say that yeah. you know this fictional character has relayed truthful information, blah blah blah.
5: Yeah. And so uh, essentially, I really think they're just talking about. Or well, when he says knowledge, he's really just saying how much he absolutely believes in something, not
2: actually knowledge. It's it's hyperbole essentially. I yeah. really, 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 really believe there's no possibility I could be wrong. Well, congratulations, you've just now set yourself up as uh, unreasonable.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> and and that was the whole point of having to have a debate. But
5: okay. Well, thank you so much for the time. Uh, I thought you did amazing. I know you think you did okay, but I honestly think there's no reason anybody should ever have to talk to Sai again.
2: I well, that much know. I agree with. <laughs> but Anyway, right, thanks, Joey. Thanks, thanks, Joey. So we got like uh, three minutes left. Um, I guess we'll just go right down the line to Robert in Shreveport. we got like three minutes left.
4: Hey, Matt. Uh, what's the best argument you've ever heard from anybody for the existence of God?
1: I've never heard a good one. I've heard well, I mean, some, I've uh, heard some
2: that, that do a better job of obfuscating the problems, like the modal logic version of the ontological argument, um, and and the only reason that it's uh, well, I can't really say it's better. The problem is that almost nobody actually understands it. Uh, well, and, I don't understand
4: to, what you said right there yeah. in the first place. But so, I mean, you must have heard. Could you could you give me? A simple example of the best thing you've ever heard for the argument for
2: God? It's like asking me for the best disease to come across, you there know, you go. <laughs> to be to be infected with. Um, you know, well, I guess I guess uh, uh, a mild rash or a scrape, which don't count as diseases, but uh, um, I don't. I think the one that appeals to people the most is some version of the the arguments appealing to morality because we'd love to have this sense of justice that people are actually going to get what they deserve. Um, Unfortunately, the arguments don't get anywhere near that.
4: Okay. Well, I'm I'm an agnostic theist, so I have no argument for the existence of God. And I was following along. Even if God showed up today in front of you or me, I suppose neither one of us would believe him. We'd probably think that he was an alien or something.
2: Yeah, except that you just said you're a theist, so.
4: Yeah, well, there you go. have yeah, well, I, well, I could, I couldn't prove that it was him, but uh, well, yeah, I'm agnostic. I don't have any secret proof.
2: No, no, no. It's not. Uh, it's not about proof. You're, you're claiming to believe something. Why, yeah, why, a theist. Why, why? Why do you believe that?
4: Uh, it's just a personal thing. I guess why do you why do you choose? Do you have secret proof that you're you know uh, you're an atheist? That's correct. Or are you a, an agnostic uh, atheist?
2: I'm probably agnostic atheist based on what you're saying because there's there's no burden of proof. The burden of proof is on the claim that there is a god, and you know when you, when you try to to point this out as just like personal preference, uh, to yeah. me that sounds like you don't care what the truth is. You're just going to believe this because it feels good to believe it. Well, that's life, yeah. You can choose... That's that's not face. life. That's, that's sad. You, well, don't, you don't choose your beliefs, by the way. You can choose what you say about your beliefs, but you don't choose your beliefs. It's not like I can choose to believe that I can fly or something. You're either convinced of something or you're not. And so the, the, I guess a better question is, do you actually believe there is a God, or do you believe that there's some value in saying that you believe you be- that there's a God?
4: Uh... I believe there's a
2: God, yeah, and, uh, and... And you you have no reason or argument for it? No. Why would you believe anything that you that you had, don't have an argument for? I, I have to let you go. They're, they're cutting us off. They're putting up the credits, okay. but thanks for calling.
1: Thanks, Matt. That's yeah, it for this week. I wish we had a little bit more time with, with Robert. Yeah. Um, I think if most theists were honest, they would all be agnostic theists, um, and not like Cy, who I think is really <laughs> agnostic, but he did not want to admit it.
2: Anyway, that's it for this week. Thanks to everybody whose name was just up on the screen for making the show and the studio audience, and we'll see you at El Arroyo, maybe. Bye, folks.